Hey, Teresa, I got a present for you for Valentine's Day. What is it? I did the research for this one. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. This is going to be the first of our holiday specials. Um, you know, Valentine's Day is coming out this weekend, and we figured there's a lot of traditions, there's a lot of history behind it, there's a lot of etiquette around Valentine's Day, so we wanted to jump in and do a quick special. Um, and as a present to my wife, I handled the research for this one so that she could prepare for our regular episode, which will be coming out tomorrow. Um it was one of the nicest surprises I've ever received, and I hate surprise she presents. She hates surprises, in I general. I always want to know. I always want to know, so I, I can say, prepared. in general, our Valentine's Days have always been pretty laid back. I think last year was the first year we actually got to celebrate, because we weren't working. Right. We used to work at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and it was a fun time, but we often had to work on Valentine's Day. And last year was the first year that we didn't. And we, like, went out to eat. We didn't. Also, because we're dumb, like, we went out to eat, didn't make a reservation, didn't think, like, oh, this might be an And we just, like, rolled up to a restaurant. Like, we'd like a table, please. And they're like, okay, it's going to be, like, two hours. And we're but like, the oh. funny thing is, they handed us one of those. No, 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 wait. This was a different place. Okay, so they took my cell phone number, and they were going to text us when our table was ready. So we walk around the block. We're going to go, like, you know, pregame for a dinner at a little, like, Irish bar, I think we found. And as soon as... I had gotten my cider and Travis had gotten his Guinness. I get a text. It had been like 20 minutes. I guess somebody just didn't show up or something for the reservation and we got in and it was great. So in honor of Valentine's Day, we wanted to talk a little bit about the history, a little bit about the customs and a little bit about the customs around the world. So to start off with, um, most people I think know that Valentine's Day is for St. Valentine. But what you might not know is the Catholic Church actually acknowledges three different Valentines or Valentinus. Um, all of whom were martyred. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of those saints are killed pretty brutally. That's like their MO. I think the, the number one most common legend that people know is that Valentine was a priest um, in the third century, and the emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families, so he outlawed marriage, and Valentine was like, no deal. Um, I think marriage is super cool, you guys. We're going to keep doing it. And then he would marry the young soldiers in in secret. And in that way, he's kind of painted as a romantic. Yeah, very much like not only a romantic, but a secret man. This idea of like we're passing well, secret messages and we're the doing. The best romances are secret at first. That Excellent. Make, that's what makes them so juicy and Excellent hot. point, dear. Um, so then when Valentine's actions were found out, he was martyred. Well, wait, wait a second. He was murdered but he became a martyr no you get no, martyred no wait a second i think that there's an important distinction he was killed for doing the things that he thought was right uh-huh. which made him a martyr but you get martyred anyways semantics i don't know, I don't know he was murdered he became a martyr he <laughs> shopped at kmart where's google okay so there's a couple other ones. Um, there was a story that Valentine helped Christians escape from Roman prisons. Um, and there's one legend that says Valentine was actually the one imprisoned and would pass notes, I think in one version with like the jailer's daughter who he fell in love with and, and like signed them 
from your Valentine. No, wait a second. Wait a second. I thought that she was blind and he healed her and then she signed a note from your Valentine because she fell in love with him because he had healed her eyes. It's listen, it's a legend, people. <laughs> it's there was probably a dude, he did a thing, it had to do with marriage. Question mark. But the important thing is the day itself, how the day came about. So most sources agree that actually what it was was Valentine's Day was an effort to Christianize the pagan holiday of, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Lupercalia? Sure. Um, Lupercalia was celebrated on the Ides of of February or February 15th. And it was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as the Roman founders, Romulus and Remus. Now, one of the most interesting um, parts of it, according to legend, was that all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn, and then the city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with this chosen woman, and the matches usually ended in marriage. Okay, cool. Seems impractical to me. Right. But if that was their steez, super cool. So then they were like, well, like a lot of Christian holidays, like Christmas and that kind of thing, but they were like, okay, we're not going to be able to stop them from celebrating it. So instead, we're going to intertwine religious aspects into this pagan holiday. Those are the best holidays. They are indeed. So um, it started at the end of the 5th century when Pope Galatius declared February 14th was St. Valentine's Day. It was not until much later, however, that the day became definitively associated with love. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds' mating season, which added to the idea that Valentine's Day was like a romantic thing because all the birds were pairing off. Well, yeah, but birds don't mate for life, do they? I mean, I guess some birds Well, no, they didn't didn't know anything. Like, to assume that all birds on February 14th was like, I guess it's time. Like, they (laughs) made a difference. They didn't know anything. It was the Middle Ages. Um, Valentine's greetings were popular as far back as the Middle Ages, um, but written Valentine's didn't begin to appear until after 1400. The oldest known Valentine still in existence today was a poem written in 1415 by Charles, Duke of Orleans, to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. And I have... That brief couplet here. Oh, you do? I do. And this is from a much larger poem, but this is how we knew it was Valentine. The line was, I am already sick of love, my gentle Valentine. I think he probably meant sick with love and not of love. I doubt he was like, ugh, this love stuff. Am I right, my wife? (laughs) Well, but I mean, so you can be love sick, right? You can feel kind of listless and, and wanting. So now let's talk about in America. Do you want to go over this part? You liked this part a lot. I do like this part. This is my jam right here. So Valentine's Day is not only celebrated in the United States. It's also celebrated in Canada, Mexico, the United Kingdom, France, and Australia. As well as like a ton of other places. But in, in, in I don't think that they're called Valentine's Day. Well, least. okay. Sure. And I would like to point out that these are mainly Christian places so the whole association with the catholic church really does make a lot of sense right here and so let's start in great britain valentine's day was popularly celebrated around the 17th century but by the middle of the 18th century it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange tokens of affection like handwritten notes 
Um, and by 1900, the printed card began to replace the written letters due to improvements in printing technology. Makes sense. Um, ready-made cards were a way for people to express their emotions in a time when direct expression, you know, Victorian era, uh, was not encouraged. Um, so, and also the addition of cheaper postage rates made to an increase in a popularity of actually sending these cards instead of handing them. So a lot of what we talked about in like the thank you notes, you know, postage came along, the postage system became better, and people started sending more stuff. Exactly. And Americans specifically probably began exchanging handmade valentines around the 1700s, so similar time, uh, time frames for Great Britain. In the 1840s, a woman named Esther A. Howland began selling the first mass-produced Valentines in America. I believe she is known as the mother of the Valentine. Why, yes. We are sharing notes. <laughs> this is correct. Do um, you want to know something interesting I found in my reading? Sure. That because of the postage system and being able to like seal up letters and send them, instead of like having a person hand-deliver them, they it became a lot more common for those Valentines to contain much more racy stuff. And so even in this Victorian, very buttoned up, you know, straight laced society, Valentines became a little bit of an excuse for people to get a little saucy because no one was going to read it because you could leave it blank. So instead of, imagine if it's you and me right before postage, Mm -hmm. my courier comes and brings it to you. You're like, that's Travis's dude. Like, I know this is from Travis. But if I throw a letter in the mail with no return address and it comes to you and you open it and it's signed like your secret admirer, you're like, who is this from? Oh, so it's like the anonymity of it. Yeah, mm. because you you could send an anonymous letter, which you couldn't do if you had like your butler running it over. Well, but wait a second. If you sent an anonymous, this is the thing with like secret admirers. If you send an anonymous letter, how are you going to know who the letter is from? Well, isn't it that idea of like, oh, but if they seem intrigued, it's pro- this is my bet. Let's play this out, folks. So you know the person. You run in the same society circles. And maybe like your sister is friends with them, right? So then you send this thing. And then they at a party are like, yes, I received this anonymous letter. I loved it. And you're like, okay. And it's all very middle school. <laughs> well, but I guess... I guess my biggest fear would... Not my biggest fear. This is her greatest fear. (laughs) I've never been more afraid. The problem with that is if it's sent anonymously, what is... What keeps that person... What keeps, I suppose, another person from saying, yeah, dude, that was all me. Yeah. I did that. But that's why it's so sexy. As you said, the secrecy. Well, then you've got like six people being like, yo, it was me. No, it was me. And you can't prove it. And that really just complicates life a lot. I agree. That's probably why we don't do that so much anymore. <laughs> um, today, according to the Greeting Card Association, an estimated ahem, one billion, with a B, billion Valentine's Day cards are sent each year, making Valentine's Day the second largest card sending holiday of the year after Christmas. Um, an estimated 2.6 billion cards are sent on Christmas, and women purchase approximately 85% of all Valentines. But you know, interesting fact also included in your research is that although women account for that much of the percentage of cards, men's purchasing of cards is steadily rising because they often purchase two. One that's funny and one that's kind of like obligatory romantic card. 
Um, and according to our research, half of all consumers prefer to receive a humorous Valentine than uh, a romantic greeting is preferred 31% of the time and a more risque form of card 8.2% of the time. I think that I would prefer a, a humorous thing. I think everyone does. Well, because Funny is better. This thing of the the like the Hallmark holiday has really permeated my uh, psyche, and so when I find a card that's super romantic, it just feels kind of sacred. Well, if you think about it, here's my theory on that. We have for a long time, like if you think about in our lifetimes, how the shift in emotional openness has happened. If you think about like if this were the 1960s. We would not walk around, or I mean the 50s. Let's stick with the 50s. If this were the 50s, I wouldn't be as effusive with my love and praise for you every day. That's just not the way people did things. Well, not in public. Yeah. And so now, every day, like, we tell each other we love each other and, like, are all ooey-gooey over each other. So So ooey-gooey. So the idea of, like, going and buying a card that says... Like, I don't need a card to express that anymore, like, in a way that I think you used to a lot more. Like, I think Valentine's Day was much more needed as an excuse to force people to be romantic, Hmm. where now it's a much more prized commodity to have people who just are romantic all the time. And so humor... and. If you think about it, I would be willing to bet that if you asked most people our age in the 30-something range, like, what do you do on Valentine's Day? I bet you'll find, like, you know what? We take it as an excuse to, like, relax together. Or, like, we just enjoy each other's company because that's the kind of thing we are people our age like to do now. I absolutely have friends who say we'd, quote, don't celebrate Valentine's Day. But interestingly... I would be more receptive to a sappy, like, romantic card on a day not Valentine's Day. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's once it's, I think when you hear people say, like, I hate Valentine's Day, I think, and I get it. I think there's a little bit of like, well, yeah, because it's prescribed that someone said, hey, you have to, like, be romantic today. But how is that different from, like, Mother's Day and Father's oh, Day and yeah. Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving that are holidays that are like, hey, this is a day where you have to think about this thing and do this thing so that we don't forget about it. I'm not saying that I'm a huge defender of Valentine's Day because, yeah, I get it. I was just at the store and saw, like, all of the, like, little balloons and hearts and candy and all that stuff where I was like, Really, I'm just going to take my wife out to dinner and stare at her across the table and tell her how great she is. But the next day, oh, February so 15th, we're going to buy so much uh, candy. On Lubricalia. We're just oh. going to go down there and get all that Lubricalia chocolate. I really like this one. In Norfolk, there's a character called Jack Valentine, and he knocks on the rear door of houses, leaving sweets and presents for children. Although he was leaving treats... Many children were scared of this mythical person. Oh, yeah, that sounds scary. Knocking on my door. Well, okay. Let's put it into perspective. Is he more scary than Santa? I, But I think it's all about how it's presented. Because if you think about that, there's like, um, uh, you know, there's the Krampus. But then there's, oh, what's the name? Uh, Pete? Black Pete? Yeah. Black Peter? Yeah. The guy who's like, if you're bad, he throws you in a sack and takes you away? Well, but at least this Jack doesn't seem to have any kind of, like, negative effects. Like, the only thing that'll happen is he won't knock on your door and leave you presents. True. Even Santa, like, breaks into your house to leave you gifts. This guy just kind of knocks on your door and leaves them there. 
Um, I, I really like this fact. Um, so one of the things that kind of modernized the tradition of like sending notes and everything and sending Valentines was in 1797, a, Br- a British publisher issued The Young Man's Valentine Writer, which contained scores of suggested sentimental verses for a young lover unable to compose his own. <laughs> so it basically was like, listen, we get it. You can't do this. You could steal some stuff from this. I love that. Well, it is better than opening any Shakespeare play. That is true. Usually those are lovely, but oh, so tragic. This is a thing that kind of blew my mind. Listen to this number and tell me if you if you can get behind this. It's estimated that in the United States alone, as of 2013, the average Valentine's Day spending, like the spending on a Valentine, $131. Well. On average. But if we're going out to dinner, that's expensive. I guess that's true. I think that that's probably included. I don't think that they're talking about just flowers and cards. I think that they're talking about the Valentine's Day spending, where if you added up like outfits and gas and food and wine and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I think that makes a lot of sense. In fact, why is it not more? Don't you want to spend more money on me? I mean, yeah, if I had it. Um, I, I also think that there's something to be said. I'm, I'm going to hop in here. Listen, we are a very happily married couple, and I'm going to let you guys in on a, a real inside tip. The secret to a good Valentine's Day with your loved one is to say to them, what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? And then do that. Oh. Because I think that if you were, so say we are in a situation where like you love Valentine's Day and you wanted to go all out and like have like an all day affair where we started and with like a breakfast and then brunch and then we went on a romantic carriage ride and all that stuff. And I hated Valentine's Day and I was like, I don't want to do any of that. I should do it. Like, you know what I mean? Or we compromise and we find a balance. I also think that your point of view of this comes from the fact that I hate surprises. Yeah. If you have a person who loves surprises, don't ask them what they want to do and make them plan their own Valentine's Day. You probably know by this point. Right. I would like to talk about Japan specifically and their Valentine's Day traditions. This is one of my favorite because it's... I, I was about to say insane. It's not insane. It's just so different from my perception of what Valentine's Day is that I find it fascinating. So it all started in 1936 when Morozov Limited, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, introduced the holiday for the very first time to the Japanese public. It ran an advert aimed at foreigners, right? So even though it wasn't going to the Japanese, it was talking to foreigners in Japan. In 1953, that company began promoting the giving of heart-shaped chocolates and other Japanese confectionery companies followed suit. So they kind of started the trend. And it gained popularity throughout the 50s and 60s. But the custom that permeates today is that only women give chocolates to men and uh, that may have started with a translation error. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, basically, to, to clarify that, and we'll go into all the detail, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, women give chocolate to men. Right. Unlike Western countries, gifts like greeting cards, candies, flowers, dinner dates are uncommon. Most of the activity 
around gifts is about giving the right amount of chocolate to each person that you know. I found it interesting. Japanese chocolate companies make half their annual sales on Valentine's. Um, so I, I'm going to break it down, right? Because this is one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. So as uh, women are required to say you work in a... No, uh, they are obliged. Obliged, yes. So it's not like a requirement, but it is a social norm. So say you work in an office with like 20 dudes, right? You have a couple different options. There is Giri Choco, um, which is obligation chocolate for unpopular coworkers. Um, for ultra unpopular coworkers, you can give um, Chogiri Choco, which is super cheap chocolate. <laughs> um, and then there's Honmei Choco, which is true feeling chocolate, which is something you give to a loved one. And then friends get Tomo Choco, which is friend chocolate. And I probably mispronounced all of that, but I just find it so funny that you would go to a store and be like, how much do I dislike Dave? Do I dislike Dave a little bit or like cheap chocolate? I think I hate Dave. <laughs> so this went on for like 40 years. And in the 1980s, the Japanese National Confectionery Industry Association launched a very successful campaign to make March 14th, a month after, Reply Day, where men are expected to return the favor to those who gave them chocolates on Valentine's Day. And they called it White Day for the color of the chocolates being offered. Now, before people here in America get too high on their high horse and talk about how Valentine's Day in America is a hallmark holiday all about selling things, let me tell you something about Reply Day. Men are required to spend at least twice, if not three times as much on their gifts that they give back to the women. Not Okay, so not returning the gift at all is perceived as the man placing himself in a position of superiority. Even if you give, even if you're like, I'm sorry, I forgot. Doesn't matter. And if you give equal amount, which I love this. So you give me a box of chocolates, I give you an equal amount of box of chocolate. That's me sending you a sign that our relationship is done. <laughs> you keep talking about required. And what I mean to say is, yes, it is required. Give me more stuff. Than well, it's you. required in that, like, you should do it. <laughs> Come on. But Come I just on. love that idea of, like, they were like, uh, we'll invent a reply day. Yeah, that's the ticket. And uh, it's rude if you don't spend uh, three times as much. Yeah. Right. And so originally only chocolate was given. But now gifts of jewelry and accessories and clothing and lingerie the norm and according to the official website of this day called white day if we didn't mention that before um the color white was chosen because of its purity evoking pure sweet teen love because but, we all know that love in the teenage years is so pure, pure. <laughs> it also forces everybody to eat all the gross white chocolate that they didn't sell for the rest of the year yeah i really don't like white not chocolate. crazy about it it doesn't taste very chocolatey um the last place i want to hit on before we go through some more random uh valentine's day traditions is in finland and estonia Oh, man, I'm going to try to pronounce this just so everyone can enjoy my pronunciation of what Valentine's Day is called in Finland. <laughs> I think you left out a couple of syllables. I so did. I don't know what to do with all those umlauts. There's like six umlauts in that word. Um, it translates to friend day. Um, so basically, rather than it being all about love in a romantic sense, it's about just, hey, everybody, that's my friend. I think you're great. Let's all just love each other. Like... 
love all around. Yeah, it reminded me of, I was listening to, once again, our new sister podcast, Still Buffering, um, and they were talking about Valentine's. <laughs> sister Wives yeah, podcast. And then in when it reminded yeah. me of like being in elementary school when it was like, hey, you, you have to give a Valentine to everyone. And I'm not saying you should do that now. We're adults now. But if you're single and you're like, I hate Valentine's Day because it makes me think of how single I am, have a Valentine's Day. If you're a dude, like... Oh, I love Galentine's Day. Leslie Nope is my girl. But like, go hang out with your dudes and like just show friendship love. So let's run through a couple fun Valentine's Day traditions. Traditionally, the colors associated with Valentine's Day are pink, red, and white. So pink is kind of a delicate, almost innocent shade of red and is connected with St. Valentine whose burial was said to have caused the pink almond tree to blossom. As you remember from earlier, we discussed several St. Valentines, so take that with a grain of salt. It's a legend. <laughs> legend foretells of the time that one tree blossomed. Moving on, red is a symbol of warmth and feeling, the color of the heart and passion, while white represents purity and faith, the faith between two people to one and to another. Also, I found it interesting that apparently um, 3% of pet owners will give a Valentine's Day gift to their pet. Thought that would be way higher. (laughs) Um, So here's a fun, weird old custom. Go with me here. Try to follow along on this one. In Great Britain during the 1700s, one very popular custom on the eve of Valentine's Day was for ladies to pin five bay leaves sprinkled with rose water to their pillows. One leaf pinned to the center and one to each corner. Eggs, with salt replacing the removed yolk, were then consumed before retiring for the evening. Before going to sleep, the lady would recite the following little prayer. Good Valentine, be kind to me. In dreams, let me my true love see. If this charm worked, then the lady would see her future husband in her dreams. This seems kind of like turning your pajamas inside out and backwards and dancing around for a snow day. Is that a thing? Yeah, I totally a thing. I think there's also something you're supposed to eat. I don't remember. Snow cones. No. But I do recall being a child and doing a snow dance by turning my pajamas backwards and inside out. You're a weirdo. Um, an old English custom was for people to call out, Good morning, tis St. Valentine's Day. The individual who succeeded in being the first to say this then expected to receive a present from the one to whom it was said. And I love that. The idea of like running out of your house and going, Ha! Good morning, tis St. Valentine's Day. Oh, you got me. Okay, here's a present. So whoever said good morning to St. Valentine's Day got a present from the person they said it to? Yeah. So basically, it was like a race to see who could greet each other first. This is something that I wish would come back. In Wales, wooden love spoons would be carved and given as gifts. Favored decorations for the spoon were hearts, keys, and keyholes. The decoration meaning, you unlock my heart. I love that because like, I love when you have to take guesswork out of gifts. And it's like, what do I get them? A wooden spoon. Well, Travis, you best be getting to Whitlin. I could whittle up a spoon real quick. Oh, okay. Here's another fun one. And you can look out for this on your Valentine's Day. Oh, boy. It was once believed that if a woman noticed a robin flying overhead on Valentine's Day, it meant she would marry a sailor. If the woman saw a sparrow, then she would marry a poor man, but be very happy. If she spied a goldfinch, it was said that her husband would be a man of great wealth. So I guess like those three options, you're either going to get a sailor, poor but happy, or a rich man. I think all men do fall into those three categories. But do you think that sailors were poor or rich? I think back then, 
they were just freewheeling. They didn't even worry about money. They so were they, just out on the sea. So Sailor was like the middle class. I think Sailor was like, you're going to have an adventurous life. Something to keep in mind as you wake up on Valentine's Day. To be awakened on Valentine's Day by a kiss is considered good luck. To be awakened or to be greeted by a kiss? To because be awoken is what it says. When I think about being awakened by a kiss, that's kind of like Sleeping Beauty style. And I don't know if I agree with that lack of consent. It's always weird. Um, this is the last one. And then we're going to wrap up. And I really like the ambiguity of this one. In Britain and Italy... Some unmarried women would rise before sunrise on Valentine's Day and stand by the window watching for a man to pass. It was believed that the first man seen, or someone who looked very much like him, would be their husband within a year. So the people who wake up early to go to work or come home late from work, like bakers and grave diggers? But don't worry. It could just be someone who kind of looked like him. So, oh, okay. Yeah, as long as they fine. just kind of look like it. So that's going to do it for our Valentine's Day special. There's some interesting facts about Valentine's Day that you can use to wow your friends. Maybe some stuff to think about as you plan your Valentine's Day events. We'll be back with a regular episode tomorrow. We're doing house guests. Um, if you haven't, please go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. It really means a lot to us. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. Uh, we're getting real close to 1,000. really want to break that. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very excited. Um, you can also join our Facebook group. You can just find it by searching Schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Uh, and go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. And we also want to say thank you to Brent Black for our theme music and Kayla Wassel for our logo. And thank you, Travis, for doing all this research so I didn't have to. You're welcome. Thank you for being my amazing partner. So tune in for another special on the next holiday, I guess. No RSVP required. Thank you for listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you my new baby, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. This is going to be a really fun look at things that I find curious. Whether it's a menstrual cup, it might be the Romanoff family, it might be fracking, it could be Carly Fiorina. I don't even know. Who knows? It's going to be whatever I think is interesting. I can't wait to bring it to you guys. We're going to be bringing in content experts. I'm going to be learning the things. It's only going to take about 30 minutes for you to expand your baby brains with me and have a super fun time. So I can't wait to see you on our first episode of Getting Curious. Hey, hey.